just excited about this morning, and uh, I appreciate the, you just very give me some patience with the little change up there, but it's just something I've been seeing the last three or four days, and I just felt good about it, and, and the more I looked into it, the more I saw you. How many of you actually received something, and, and you didn't come to share it, but you actually saw something in the Spirit this morning? You saw a picture. You saw, you saw something. Good. How many of you heard something? You heard the Lord speaking to you. Raise your hands. Let me see. You heard something. See, God is speaking to us all the time. And we, and we need to, to take the opportunity. I mean, read the, read the book of Daniel, you know, uh, the first seven, eight chapters. I mean, every time he looked, he saw something. And it says, he, as he was laying on his bed in the night watches, he was looking and he saw. He finally saw these, all these prophetic words being manifested. And as he saw them, it led him right up to the very throne of God to where he saw the image of God himself. Listen, if you want to get close to him, start looking for him. Look closely for him. Search for him. Believe that you're going to see and you're going to hear. We, as the church, we must be hearing today what he's saying to us. And I just felt like we needed a little opportunity to hear from a few of you. And I know there were several others, and I don't want you to feel bad that I didn't get to you, but... I know there's a couple of things I want to do far, as far as at the end, we're going to call Mike back up and there's, there's that, the last song we didn't get to do uh, is going to be our altar call. And, 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 and there were some folks that, that saw a few things I think we need to hear. So let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time so far. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us ears to hear. Thank you for opening our, our eyes wide to see this morning what you want us to see. And Lord, I pray for favor and grace for each one of us this morning to go out of here different than we came in. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share with your body today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Valentine's Day to all you Valentine's lovers out there and all that good stuff. Um, how many of you men remembered this today? Maybe I need to ask your wives. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> yes, it's important. I don't, do, I don't do Valentine's Day. I started Valentine's Week years ago where Toby gets a little something five days before, one day every day. Well, it all, it all started, oh, I'm getting this little heart thing up here, see, see on the front row, and smiles. It all, I'll give you the short, short of it. I think I'll tell it right. Years ago at BRSM, we had, a, what was it called? That the night where, where we all, the men, thought that they were really romantic. It was a newlywed game. We all failed. All the leaders at fire at the time, at Brownsville at the time, we all failed because the thing was, are you romantic? And all of us thought we were. None of us, none of the wives said yes. They said no. So I had to get on the ball and find out what does that mean? It means it's going to cost you something. It means you just can't, you know, go into, the, go into Walmart or go into wherever and pick up a card. You got to read it. Because there, there were some that said, dear mom, happy birthday. Or dear mom, happy anniversary. Dear mom, happy Valentine's Day. No, you have to put the words to the thing. You need the words, those words for these wives. They need these words. And so, you know, I got words this morning too. But um, that's the, kind of the story of it. So the idea is if you're going to be romantic, you've got to put some effort into it, guys. It has to be something that's not normal. and has to be something that costs you something in time. You have to do the planning. You have to make it work. 
So I'll just leave that with you. We're not going any further than that. I figured I'd just give that to you for all you romantic types out there. Um, been praying about this for some time. And, you know, the, you know I'm not going to give COVID any credit, but you have to almost mention that every time you say anything these days. Because that's all that's in a lot of brains and minds. But, you know, the, the, the COVID thing has brought a lot of isolation. It's brought so many people to fear, some anxiety, to anger, to loneliness, to depression. Um, and uh, the, the loss of feeling connected. Have you had any of that? Anybody had any of that at all at any time in the last six or eight weeks? Even the last year? I mean, a lot of folks have. And, and I'll be honest with you. I felt all those things the first two and a half weeks of January because I had the COVID at my house. And I was, you know, I, I, I'm finally all negative and everything. I'm good. But, uh, but during that time, this was the enemy that kept coming to me and pounding on me. And it was the loss of being with you guys. It was the loss of being able to get out and do things. So for just as a disclaimer, no condemnation, please, this morning. You know, for all those who are watching online, no condemnation. If you're not here, we, we understand why all of you are somewhere because you need to be where you are. And that is okay. I mean, I, I didn't go anywhere from January after what? Sunday, the 3rd of January until the 3rd of February. So I wasn't here for a month. So, but I'm just telling you, I feel, I felt all this. And so the, the message that I, I want to bring that I think the Lord's given me was called, it's called the power of belonging. There's a power of belonging. When we sense that belonging, that inclusion in life, you know, we, we kind of live in this state of, of uh, feeling grounded. We feel safe. We feel accepted. There's this uh, state of connectedness. And when I was out for four weeks, man, I, I just felt alone. And I didn't like that feeling at all. And I'm thinking, am I ever going to get back there? And the devil, so you don't listen to the devil, but that's why the feeling uh, like we belong is so powerful and it is healing to us to know I belong to something bigger than myself. I love belonging to Fire International because it's bigger than me. I love belonging to Fire Church because it's bigger than me and, and that helps me. So in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 to 47 is where I'm going to key off of. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, hopefully we have a scripture maybe showing up. Um, if not, I'm going to read it to you. It says, they devoted themselves. This was right after the, the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it was an exciting few days there. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common they sold property and possession they gave to anyone who was in need. But look at this. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were to be saved. This was revival. Oh, by the way, I just, the Lord just said, tell people who you are. Okay, some of you don't know me. Some of you do. My name is Josh Peters. I'm a part of the leadership here at Fire Church, and I'm the general director of Fire International. We over, Toby and I, we oversee, and Dean, we oversee a lot of the missionaries in the world, Lord willing. We'll take as many as we can, but anyway, that's who I am speaking to you. So we've been a, we've been a part of Fire since the very first day. So just FYI. 
But when I look at this, it, a lot of times we just read over this, but I see a pattern here. They, they spent time listening to the teachers. The apostles were teaching them something. And then after they taught, they, had, they, they talked about what they were saying. What's the fellowship going on? And then they said, okay, I'm tired of listening to the teaching. I need some, I need some pizza. I need some falafel or I need whatever they're having over there in that day. I need something. I need some bread. And then as they sat around talking to each other and they're talking to Pete, they say, Pete, how was your day? How was your week this week? Pete was saying, let me tell you what God did. Let me, let me show you what God was doing. I'm telling you, does that excite you when you hear testimonies about what God's done? I'm telling you, this is where they were. I think this is where they were. Because it's in his presence and in his glory that we sense and feel that closeness, that oneness, that belonging, that unity, that place that says God is with us. And if we, if we learn about one another, we find out who we are, we'll discover there's lots of testimonies in here. We'll discover there's lots of need in here. And when I look at this, this was kind of like revival. In Pensacola, we had, you may not know, but there was this large revival for five years. And everyone came, those who did come, so many, over a period of five years, there was more than how many million people? Three million people came to one church in a five-year period of time. When, when they started, when, when the Spirit of God seemed to take up residence there, people would start lining up at 7 a.m. in the morning and trying to wait to get, to get a seat at 7 p.m. at night. Does that surprise you? Yes. Well, they were there because they knew God was on the property and he was all over the property. He was in all the buildings and they couldn't wait to be there. There was something about the excitement of people getting saved, delivered, and healed in these meetings and people sharing their lives, fellowshipping with one another. Then they'd go up to Shoney's. They put Shoney's on the map in Pensacola, Florida because the place was open all night long because of the hungry people coming out of three, four, five thousand people every night. Does that excite you? I tell you what, that, those days, I mean, Toby and I, we lived those days. And we all felt connected, even though we didn't know 5,000 people every night. But we felt connected because of the power and the presence of God in that revival. We felt connected. Even in the early charismatic days. How many of you remember early charismatic days? Let me see your hands. Okay, some of you. That was when God began to move in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. They speak it in tongues. The gifts of God, charismatic, charismata, charis means the grace gifts of God. So he began to manifest the gifts of the Spirit with the body. And we would come together, and we'd have like cell groups. We'd come to each other's homes, and we'd have a meal, and we'd talk about how, what's going on in life. And we felt good about being there. And we didn't understand all the Bible, but we did understand we belonged to this little group. They were going through things. We were raising our children together. We were having a meal. Then we'd fellowship. Then we'd pray. There's a pattern to this thing. And then the next week we would come back and we'd say, what's God? And the first question generally, what's God doing this week? What'd God do this week? And so there was this excitement that God had done something in someone's life. And then we rejoiced. We were in awe. Literally in awe at the, the miracles and the healings and these kinds of things that God were, was doing there in those days. And there's this, this word fellowship. They fellowship. Koinonia. It means the exchange of life. This is what we do when we come together. There's an ex, there should be an exchange of life. And I miss our, our little 15 minutes that we had started here at FIRE back a year or so ago where we'd stop for 15 minutes find out who are sitting next to us, introduce ourselves to someone we didn't know, and find out who are they. 
Who were they? And we, and we began to know who was in the body here at Fire Church. I missed that. Well, sooner or later, we're going to get back to that. But, but there's something about that word, uh, koinonia, that word fellowship, that, that, that means the exchange of life. And, and we need that. In Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 15 and 16. I think this is speaking to this very same thing. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16, it says, Therefore, Jesus, therefore, he said, Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that open, openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. This word share is the same word, koinonia, which means fellowship. Do not forget to fellowship. Don't forget to do good and to fellowship with others. Here's the key to this. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God is pleased when we make an effort to come together. He's pleased when we work on this sharing and and it's a part, it becomes a part of our our life. And there's this power of connection uh, that is where... This is where they saw the signs and wonders in the early church. This is, they came together, and as they did this, I mean, they would sacrifice from house to house to house. They'd go from room, house to house. And so they had to take the, the time to do it. They sacrificed their time to be there. And it says, this was pleasing to God. I mean, this is where they watched the apostles do signs, wonders, and miracles. And, and it was, it was kind of like in the early charismatic days, I'd watch these these teachers and leaders come in from out of town. They'd pray for the sick. People would get up. Blind eyes were being opened. They, you know, people were hearing. Crutches were falling off. I mean, cancers were falling off. And I'm thinking, well, if that guy could do it, I should be able to do it too. Well, come on. Somebody say amen. amen. Because he's talking about let us do this. And so there's this power. This was not, in Acts chapter 2, this was not some casual kind of, well, uh, if you want to come to the meeting, you can it's not like here in the U.S. If you want to go to church Sunday, well, you know, you, you can if you want to. No, you know, feeling like attending, you know, or, or, yeah, it, they had to sacrifice to get up, to take the time to go, and to take the time to be together. I mean, we need this connection. I need to connect with you. I may not know you, but I, I connect with you because you're here today, and, and I need this. So this was not a, just a little casual come as you come if you want to meeting, and and, and when we go to meetings, when we are, we are together, we are fellowshipping. I mean, uh, we tend to remember how that makes us feel. I mean, most of the time, hopefully, you feel good. Hopefully, when you come to, when we come together, hopefully, it's a good feeling, and you know, you, we feel accepted because someone actually said something to us, or you know, especially when we have our times, we sit around the tables or out in, out in the parking lot when we do our fellowship time, we meet new people. And, and we need to be not, not fearful of meeting new people. Amen. We need to get to know one another because we are the body of Christ. And we, we simply, we feel connected. You know, when I say Wes, Wes, suddenly he's awake or he's looking at me now. You know, or I say, Gary, Gary, old guy. I mean, he's, suddenly I've got his attention. So here, here, we, here we go. You, I, some of you remember that, uh, that old, I don't know, was it called a sitcom? Called Cheers. It's, where they, it's, it's a place where everybody knows your name. Norm. Alan. Where are you? Alan. Everybody knows Alan. Dave. Where's Dave? Uh, Jacob. 
Where are you? There you are. Caleb, you're, you're here somewhere. There, there you are. See, I see that hand. I see that hand. Uh, how about Jill? There she is. See? How about Brenda, who stood up here and looked good besides Pete and made him look good this morning? Yeah? What about, what about Storm? I thought I said, there he is back there. See, see, what, see you don't know I know your name. See, we've got, we've got, <laughs> we've got Emmanuel. See, we, we know a few names. And there's something about hearing your name that kind of makes you feel belong, doesn't it? Feel like you belong to something bigger than yourself. I mean, even to those of you who are online, Steve and Janice, you're probably out there watching. Sue Trigger, you're probably out there watching. You're, out, you're watching, seeing what we're doing here. Thomasina, we miss you. I mean, we know why many of you are still out because there have been issues with your health, but that's fine. But I'm just saying, you still belong. All of you who are watching and you can't be, you still belong here. We, we're not giving up on you. We're not giving you away. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, I mean, real fellowship is not convenient. In this country, in our lifestyles, real fellowship is not convenient. I've been, where, where's Beth? Beth, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna walk, I'm just gonna look this way toward Beth. We received an invitation to come to dinner, what, about a month ago? We still haven't had an answer. Yet. Uh, but there's something about our lifestyles that we're so busy that it's not necessarily convenient, but we have to decide, are we willing to take the sacrifice to do something together? I mean, some of you we know, some of you we don't know, some of you, you know, we, we need to get to know. But there's this sense of belonging and a sense of connection where, where somebody kind of, they, they know your name. You know, when, when fire school was here, a lot of students came uh, to learn and seek God and find Jesus and go on with in their life in ministry. And, 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 most, uh, most of them went on, but when they did come, a lot of them stayed. You know why? Because they found family. They found a connection. They found, I belong here, and, and it, it's, it was, it's really good, and it's, there's something about knowing each other's name and calling that name. How many of you call the name of Jesus at least a few times a day? I mean, how does that make you feel? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When, you, yeah, when I call on Jesus, he's here. He says he's closer than your breath. You know, he's he sticks closer than a brother. So when I say Jesus, that fills my atmosphere around. And so, but it's the same thing. When I call one of you, Frank, Frank, right here, Frank, right here. Fine looking specimen. I mean, Frank is here. And if I call his name, we know each other. See, we know each other. And there's something about belonging that helps, it, it comforts us. It gives us a, a lot of peace. But it's, there's that acceptance. But when I call the name of Jesus, it draws me closer to him. When I call your name, I get closer to you. Does that make sense? Are you hearing me? I know this is not some kind of wild message, but it's kind of what's on my heart, more of a teaching than anything else, but it's just what's been on my heart with what's been going on lately. And you know, having a covenant connection with someone, it's knowing that you can fail as many times as you do in life and still get to be a part of the family. I mean, Gary's still here. <laughs> I mean, you know, Gary and I go back to, to the beginning, though, see? I know more about him than I know about Paul. Of course, all I have to do is ask Sharon. She's, she's helpful. Uh, <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you actually felt a call to come to fire 
to be a part of the body here. You actually felt God called you. Let me see your hands. Guys, look around. Look around here. Wow. Wow. How does that make you feel? Hopefully still good. Hopefully it's, it's still really good. I, you know, I, I remember uh, my, my good friend Nina back there. Some years ago, I don't remember how many years ago, but I was, in, I was telling Toby, I said, I don't feel like anything's happening here at fire right now. I just, I just feel like it's this wane. It's just, I just don't feel anything particularly. And, and at the, it was that morning, and I said that, I think, and I think it was Nina, she came up. She said, I have to share something. Now, Nina, if I, if I share it wrong, then you can, you can fix it later. Um, but she said, the Lord sent her here, and she was supposed to be here for one year, Right? Okay, he said, come to fire, be quiet, listen, be quiet, listen, and learn. But it had been, a, I want to say it was about a year, about a year when she shared this. And it was at a moment that I needed to hear it. Because she said something like, I have I've obeyed God, I came here, I listened, and I was quiet. Wow, ladies, that's a biggie. <laughs> I, I admire that woman back there named Nina. But she said, I have grown more in the last one year here at fire than I have in, I've encountered God. I'm so sorry. Help me with this. It's been a long time since I heard this. I've encountered God more here at fire than I have most of my, most of my Christian life. So, but, but you see, just being here, being in the atmosphere of faith, being in the atmosphere of life, being in the atmosphere here, there's just something about that. You know, we as, as, as fire leaders, I mean, we've been together, most of us, or many of us, for like more than 22 years. I mean, we've, we've, we've come through a lot, through a revival and through a fire school and lots of things. I mean, we've loved each other. We've fought together. We fought each other. <laughs> we won, but we've won a lot of victories together, and we still like each other, and we're still connected. We're not here on the physical ground, but we're still connected out there. There's something about belonging that's long Long, 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 long. I need the longness of that. In Hebrews chapter 10, let me back up a page or two. Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Let's see, where are we? Uh, let's do, yeah, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to start in 23, but it says, Let us unswervingly uh, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And I'm going to stop right there. I mean, there's something about, you know, this is a command, literally, for us to not, I mean, when we stop fellowshipping and coming together, then what happens to us? We begin to isolate. Uh, Sometimes we find another place, but that's fine. But sometimes we just isolate. And the devil loves to isolate us because he can pick us off. He can make you feel so bad, so low. The church is no good. There's nothing going on. It's not happening. And, but there's something. Let me, let me encourage you. Change your habit. Change your habits. I mean, when we come up here and pray on Sunday morning, you know, early, a little bit, you know, I always ask the Lord, wake them up. Get them out of bed. Get them here. They need to be here. <laughs> And we've actually had people come say, I wasn't really wasn't going to come this morning, but I felt like the Lord said, get up. I'm telling you, there's power in your prayer. 
and I'm going to pray and believe my way. You can pray and believe your way. But he says, let us not forsake meeting together or let us not give up sacrificing and making a commitment to be with each other on Sunday morning. Let me encourage you, come earlier. Be here at 10 o'clock. We start on time. I want to try to get you out on time. But there's something about worshiping together that creates that, that, that sense of belonging together. Because we're believing the same thing. We're praying the same thing. We're hearing similar things in the Spirit. Uh, let us not forsake uh, meeting together on the first Friday night prayer. There's about eight or nine of us here, ten of us here. That's not enough. There's power in prayer. There's power in the numbers. When we come, there's a sacrifice he's talking about making here. Having, doing the discipleship training. Coming on Thrive Nights. These, you know, the, the, the last two Wednesdays in uh, February and the first two in March. You know, you need to be here for that teaching. It's going to be good. It says, let us not forsaking coming together. Life groups. Life groups are getting, getting ready to start. I'm grateful that we, our 55-plus life group has been pretty steady over the last three or four years. I've, I've enjoyed that group. But there's something about... Uh, fellowshipping together and breaking bread together on spaghetti night at the end of the month. You know, it's not Garofolo's, but it'll work. <laughs> it'll do. It, it will work. It, it'll, just, it'll just come. And real fellowship, again, is not always convenient because you have to, you have to oh, I've got to fix something. That Mediterranean night was tough on me, but I don't know anything about Greek. I don't know anything about that stuff. And uh, everything in North Carolina is fried, so I, I had a hard time preparing. Toby did it. So Toby did a good job. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd rather have you laughing than crying. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We have to pay careful attention, he says. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us through those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit being distributed according to his will." And so these are not just the apostles he's talking about now. These are the folks who were fellowshipping together, breaking bread together. They were praying together. They were coming together, sharing the testimonies about what God had done in their week. And they were in awe of God. They were in awe of each other. That God used me. To, how, how many of you remember the first time you laid hands on someone? You laid hands on the sick and God touched them immediately. How many of you, you remember that? Is that a good sign? Is that a good feeling? Man, the first time you ever gave a prophetic word that everybody's hair stood up. We won't go there. <laughs> you get the idea? Well, drifting is a very deadly thing in the Christian life. It's a deadly, deadly thing. And the remedy is to pay very close attention to this book. The, you know, the remedy is staying in this and keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and what he's saying to you. And, and it's easy to say, oh, I don't need this. I, I can come to church once in a while uh, but, but the scripture says not forsaking coming together with the believers. If we forsake this, you know, if we, you, I, I don't know who, that might be somebody in here. I don't know. I think there may be two or three in here who need to have Jesus in their heart today. But you come to church. When I, before I was born again, I was a C and E Christian. Christmas and Easter. 
That's because my mother-in-law made me go. She threatened me. So we'd go. We'd dress up and we'd go. But I, 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 I didn't stay. I drifted. Because, well, I, I, I will go here. We'll just go to church. And, but I, just, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't come close to God. I was, I, was, you know, I was afraid. I wasn't born again. Didn't know how to get close to him. But there was something about coming close to him that made all the difference uh, in the world. And drifting can cause great harm to you. Because the devil will pick you off. Drifting is, is not good because pride can come in. And you think, I don't, I don't need God. I don't need to go to church every Sunday. I don't need the Thrive meetings. I don't need that, that, little, that uh, you know, hokey you know, m- meal that we have at the end of the month. I don't need that. How's that working for you? I'm serious. Pride will cause you to drift. And you need to get rid of that. that that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard place to be. But it takes sacrifice to have that connection. I believe our purpose here at FIRE all along you know, is to advance the kingdom of God and take this word around the world, you know, supporting our missionaries and, and going to the nations. But it takes the whole body of Christ to do this. Five or six of us, we, we can't do this by ourselves. And to connect, there's always a risk that we have to take. There's a risk that we have to take. And I'm learning more and more each day. I'm a loner. I, you know, my personality, I don't need you. There's a lot of you in here going, mm-hmm. give me my computer. But I'm saying, if I, if I, if I, I'll tell, I'm, I always have fun with this in my classes when I teach, you know, if you, if we, okay, if I need to go out with you and you need quality time, I put you in the box, Caleb needs quality time, have fun. So I make it a task because I'm task oriented. I'm not people oriented, but I make room for people, but I have to make it a task, but it's my life. But I need you, and I'm going to make it work. And there's a risk taking life with some of you, I'm sure. <laughs> but is it worth it? Is it really worth it? Because you know, how deeply do we want to belong and to be a part of something other than ourselves? It's tough being alone. It's tough being lonely. Um, and I've discovered there's, there's four ways. Yeah, good. we're good on time. There's four ways that we can take initiative to do this. One is Proverbs 18, verse 24. This is the New King James Version. Hopefully, we got that. Yep. Small letters for all those who... Anyway, it says, A man who has friends must show himself friendly, or must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Okay. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. That's a casual relationship. It's a, hey, how you doing? Where, do I know you? Yeah, I know you, but it's, it's not close. But then he says, but there is a friend. And I just, you know, this just kind of came to me yesterday. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and you know, these are the ones who connect through fellowship. I've got a connection with several men here in this, in this church that I, I felt close to. I feel close to. I've bonded with them. But, but we had to take a risk getting to know each other because a couple of us are a whole lot alike. And uh, yes, Alan, <laughs> and, and we still love each other. Um, but the idea is if you want to have friends and you, you say, oh, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. No, you have to be friendly. At least try. <laughs> try to be friendly if you can. So, you know, first thing you want to do, there's four things. One is invite people into your joy. Hopefully you still have some. Um, what do you like to do? 
Now, I know COVID has restricted a whole lot of things, but, you know, we used to do a lot of things together. Um, let's figure out, you know, what makes you feel alive and what brings you joy. Invite somebody into that. You know, food. I don't know about you, but, but, but the, last eight, the last year, the Food Channel is on top of everyone's list because there's nothing else on. And you gain pounds just by watching this thing for three or four hours when you're just in. I've been there. No, no, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just telling you. Um, so you know, you know, find something that you can invite someone you know, as you feel comfortable as you can. Listen, I'm not saying throw COVID out complete. I'm not saying out, throw out the, the guidelines for this. If you, you know, I'm just saying let's be safe. Be careful. Do your mask if you need to. Keep your distance, but find something you can do without. Listen, you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. God will help you find a way to do something together. Uh, and then the second thing is make the first move. Be intentional about taking some time to be with someone and truly see how you can connect with them. I mean, we feel more connected. I mean, I was going to call on uh, Jordan and Nellie. They're not here today, but um, we, didn't, we don't know them, but... He's a good amen corner sitting over there where the pedestals are. And they, somehow they got his seat. But we're going we're, we're gonna to have lunch with them next Saturday. And it, it's intentional. I say you have to be intentional in, in doing this thing because you feel more connected. And I'm saying you can do it safe, safely, and that's fine. And then when you do come together, keeping this short, be fully present for people. Be there for them. Uh, it's one thing, you know, a lot of us have a whole lot of history with God, got lots of testimonies and life stories, but the goal is find out who are you, what's going on with you, silence your phone, put that thing away, don't even take it in, don't even take it in, don't even take it in, uh, be, be fully present to be with people, make eye contact with them, act like you're interested and be interested, just do it, you'll find out, man, I've, I may have discovered a brand new friend here. I've found someone who might buy me a meal. Who knows? I mean. <laughs> my amen corner up here. <laughs> Is it okay we laugh in church? You know, we, you know, he says God laughs, so we might, he might, he's laughing at us. We might as well laugh with him. I think that's okay. And then get to know, get to know someone different than you. I mean, you know, I've got the 55 plus group, which is, you know, these, this, some of the more mature saints crowd, uh, but, but, you know, get with someone that's a little different than you, someone who might be younger than you. Go out, you know, call for, do something with coffee. There's lots of coffee shops around here that, that's got the measures to where you can get in and get out, and go in and listen intently to find out, be curious about their lives, um, and it, you may not even see eye to eye. There's so many differing opinions about what's swirling around in the, all around us today. Everyone, I mean, you could come and do that, and that's not what you want. You can kind of get close and still go home happy, Lord willing. Uh, but uh, get to know somebody different from you. Are there any Camp, camp 5 in here this morning? Stand up. Stand up. You're, if you're a part of Camp 5, stand up. There you go, right here. Now, here, now here's, a, here's a group that are different than most of you. I know some of them. I don't know all of them. But get to know these people. Take the time to go out of your way to meet someone different. When I heard the man's name was Storm, raise your hand, Storm, I'm thinking, who is this guy? And then there was a guy called Redbeard. I said, what's your name? He said, Redbeard. And I said, what? 
I said, no, you have a name. Oh, no, just, you know, just, call, me, just call me Parson or Redbeard or something like that. I said, no, you've got a name. It took me 20 minutes to get this boy's name is Jacob. I said, that's a manly name. Y'all can sit down. Get to know someone you don't know. Is that okay? I mean, we're having a ball. We invite, we've invited the Camp 5 bunch to our 55-plus group because they like being around Grandma and Grandpa. And, I mean, it's just simple. It's just that simple. And we, we, do, we simply don't know how, what people are going through. Maybe you don't want to know. You know, you ask people, well, how are you doing? And you, fine. That's because they don't want to tell you. And you really don't want to know. That means you have to help them. I've been in ministry a long time. I know the words. I know the language. I know how it works. I know their facial expressions. You know, but we don't know how people are if, you know, in the invisible. What's going on inside of them? We don't know what's going on. We don't know how they're hurting. We don't know the pain they're going through. We don't know the challenges that they're going through. And, and we just don't know. And this is why it's important that we have to foster this connection, especially here at FIRE. When you come into the door, smile. Smile at somebody. Be happy. Say something to them if you can. Just say hello if nothing else. Go out of your way to see people you know. Maybe most of the folks I know, they're in the back. And I have to go find them. There's Josie. I have to go back and find her. New mom. See, I see, I see you. I know your name. And because they belong. We belong. They belong here. It's that kind of thing. So go, get out, go out of your way to get to, to know someone's name. Okay. All right. I said it. We're going to practice. All right. Look to your right and to your left. And if there's someone you don't know sitting next to you, ask them their name. Don't spit on them. Just ask them their name. There you go. Isn't that good? Then, then ask them when, they, when they're going to invite you over for dinner. See, that's a start. Either way, it works. Whatever you get the meal from, it works. I mean, God put you together right where you are this morning because he had a plan for you. And he told me to do this. I wrote this down this morning. He said, tell them, ask each other, who's, what's your name? How many of you remember the name sitting next to you? Let me see your hand. That's pretty good. It's only been a minute. It's only been a minute. <laughs> ay, 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 okay. Uh, but we have to be intentional. We, we have to be a, a, the initiators of belonging and how we connect. And, you know, again, come early. Be here on time at church. If you need to stay after, stay after. A lot of folks stay a long time after. That's fine. But, but at least it's the opportunity. At least we have that right now. And there was, um, in my, I think it was in my leadership class, we talked about the nature of nurturing and how leaders nurtured people and how there had to be a sense of belonging in your team and this like this. And I came across this. I didn't write this, but I thought it was cute. It reminded me of my grandfather. It's called A Sense of Belonging. <clears throat> he says, we need to become like the farmer who used to hitch up his old mule to two-horse plow every day, and he'd say... Get up, Satchel. Get up, Beauregard. Get up, Robert. Get up, Betty Lou. And one day his neighbor, hearing the farmer, he said, how many names does that mule have? And he said, oh, he's only got one name. His name is Pete. But I put blinders on him and I call those other names so he'll think 
that the other mules are working with him. And he said, he said, why? He said, because he says he has a better attitude when he thinks he's a part of a team. I thought that fits. I mean, that, that really does work. So you know, there's something about belonging and that relational connectedness that's at the core of our thriving and surviving and growing the church. How many, how many of you ever been, I'll be careful how I say this. You ever been to a church, you came, you went in, you went out, no one ever spoke to you, and you thought, oh, I'm going to go here. Okay, that's enough. Well, when I, when I go back and I look at the Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's called in my Bible, the title is called The Fellowship of the Believers. The Fellowship of the Believers. Why was that? Because they were taught the Word of God. We need teaching. When coming up through the, the charismatic movement and all this, from the, the age of all the teachers that were in, in the country, everyone had a notepad. Everyone came in with, I mean, I've got notebooks, I've got volumes of notes there, Dave. Dave's got his notebook. He, he's, he's from that era. And he takes these things home. We take them home. We study them. We look at them. And we kind of glean through it and see what else kind of T-bone we can get out of it. Something we missed during the meeting. And it says they fellowshiped with one another. They just talked about life together. Then they had some food. They had some pizza. They had something. And then they prayed. And again, I really believe a big part of this, the Lord just kind of clued me in that they were in there sharing their testimonies about what God is doing. What's he done? How's he doing it? They were simply about, simply excited about somebody got saved. Someone got filled with the Holy Ghost. Someone was healed this week. Someone, you know, exercised some gifts of the Spirit this week. And we'd come every week and this, that was our excitement. That was our, man, that was like, man, we can't wait to get there. When I was first born again, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night at our church was not enough. And I said, God, there's just, there's got to be more than this. And he said, invite them to your house. I said, I can't do that. I don't know these people. I said, my, my friend John Timms at the time, I said, John, um, why don't you invite everybody to your house on Friday? He said, okay, brother. And so we started at his house. And, and it went on, and it was just like Acts 2. That's why life groups are so important to us. This is why the Thrive teaching is going to be so important for us. This is why we need to come together and be together on these times, and it's going to take a sacrifice and a commitment to do it. We have to change our habits and stop being lazy when it comes to the things of God and how this works. Okay, you can love me or not. I'm, I'm going home with Toby. But there's something about the church and its members that, that, that are about adding value to one another. Just knowing you, just knowing Frank, he adds, I, he adds value to my life because I, I know a little about him, but I know he's a man of God. I know he loves the Lord. I know he hears in the spirit and I know he, he's kind of prophetic and he's excited about God all the time. And that's all I know about him. But still, there's something about adding value. I... I, I I receive from him. What little I know, I receive something special from him. Wes, I mean, you know, guys like him who's, you know, fount of all knowledge, and we're sitting over there, you know, the, the sage. That's just an old guy. It's a nice name for an old guy. Someone called me a sage not too long ago. I said, Toby, he called me old. He said, no, there's supposed to be wisdom in there somewhere. I said, okay, I'll try. 
but we add value to people. How do we do that? One, by being a role model for them. We set a standard and we walk by that standard. We live by the word of God and we hear from God. And then how do we add value to people? By, by, by giving them your life experience, giving them your testimonies of how God got you through, how he took you through without money, how he took you through to food for your kids, how he took you through to the best job in the world, right, Paul? Paul's got one of them, man, this guy is a working, working machine over here. I'm just telling you, there's something about you know, your influence on people. I'm looking around, who's, who's, who's influenced me in here? Steve Alt. He, he has influenced so many here for so many years. He's influenced me, his character, his lifestyle, his family, you know, how he obeys his wife. The whole thing is <laughs> just really good. I've got your back, Saber. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's, you know, how do we add value? It's giving opportunities for your gifts to operate in, in the life groups and, and, and when we have our discipleship groups and hopefully our, our Thrive Nights. You know, I remember it's been some time ago, but um, Jeff and Martha, where are they right here in front of me? They, they were new here and we invited them to our life group, even though they didn't look like they were 55 or 65. I mean, you know, <clears throat> and they came. And they sat, and they were, they're like, now they're just a little quiet until we get to know them. And at the end, we, 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 we simply said, let's pray for them. So we put them in the hot seat, put them two chairs up there, and we simply let the Holy Spirit lead us as we prayed. And we just prayed over them. Is it okay I tell this? Too bad. I'm, if not, I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> and we just prayed over them, what, God, what we felt, the heart of God. And I forgot who told us that after that. Somehow a word got back to us that they said, we have never been prayed over like that in our church life. Is that right? Am I saying that correctly or something like that? I see it's kind of like that. But this is how you add value to people. You know, this is how you add value. And right now we need to get them a, a, a ride to our life group every week because, you know, they have some eye issues and they can't see at night. So we have, you know, we have to get them to our, so we're working on that. You know, I'm, I keep saying it because sooner or later it's going to happen. Um, but, but things like that, that's how we add value to people. We get in, we just let the Holy Spirit help us. And I remember, you know, I, I think about uh, Orby and Nina again. Watching them grow in the Spirit. Watching how God produced uh, gifts of the Spirit. Prophetic gifts, singing gifts, art. Things in their life that, that we didn't know about. And it was new to them. And I've watched them grow in the Spirit by just simply being in this group, that adds value. Now they add value to me. When she blows that shofar, it's a, it's a move of authority in the house. Now, whether you know that or not, but I appreciate when she puts that sound out there, it's for the body and it's for the alerting that Jesus is in the house. So, I mean, I'm, I'm watched, and that adds value to me to know that we've had this much to, in the, into their life. But now I see how she adds, but they add, they both add value to the whole body and our group. I mean, there's something about that. Again, the, the Kemp Five Bunch, they just like coming and hanging out with grandma and grandpa so, so they can learn something, we hope. I mean, that's the plan. Um, are you okay with this? All right, we're moving right along. I know, I'm, yep, in, in Ecclesiastes, let's see if I can find that, it's in the back somewhere. 
Let's see. It's in the middle. Let's see. I know it's in here somewhere. I did see it this morning. There it is. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says this. Two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and there's no one there to help them. We need each other. We desperately need each other. It says pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not likely broken. So three are better than two. A hundred are better than two. We need each other. We'll stand with you. We've got your back. Does that make sense? So, so scripturally, we have to come together. When, when a person feels encouraged, they can do almost anything. When you encourage someone, when they face something impossible, they will overcome that if you just tell them. Sometimes you just tell them they can. When Caleb came to fire school, quiet, unassuming, just, you know, nice guy. And then he says, I want to go to Mexico with you on your Mexico trip. And it's funny when he said that, and it was like, normally I, I want to talk to folks before I take them with me. Make sure there's no demons, no, 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 no issues. You know, I used to sit, I'd sit the students down for 30 minutes before as an interview and say, got any man problems, got any boy problems, got any girl problems, got any demons? And depending on their answer, would, because I'd have 40 wanting to go to the group, I only had room for 20. So I'd have to call. But anyway, he asked me, he said, oh, I want to go on this trip with you. And so I did go home, I prayed about it, and I thought about it, and, you know, and, and, and then the next time I saw him, we started talking. I think it may have been our first meeting, because we always have meetings before we go. And, and, and I said, I felt like it was a word of knowledge, I said, I'm going to pull the leader out of you. I think he showed up, because on the trip, man, I mean, he stepped up to everything, and he was also my intern. So he had to do everything I told him to do anyway. If you want to pass the class, you have to do what I tell you to do. So I put him in some good, high-pressure, intense ministry situations. He got A every time. But it was because I told him he could. Amen. See, there got an amen right there. Had nothing to do with me. It was a word of knowledge of how I encourage someone. We need each other. And we need each other right here. First Thessalonians 4, basically, I'm not going to read it all. It just says, encourage one another with these words. Talking about the resurrection, talking about heaven. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. So there's something about coming together, making the connection, feeling that we are belonging and we're accepted that makes a big difference in our life. There was a man, his name was uh, uh, William A. Ward. He was known for wisdom and quotes. He, he, God would just give him statements. And here was one of them. He said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you, but you encourage me and I will not forget you. How many of you, when you were early on born again, someone, some man, some woman, some couple, filled with the Holy Spirit, touched you in a way that you'll never forget them? They moved on you. They added value into your life. Something happened that you, know, you were encouraged. So Fire Church, we have to be deliberate 
about adding value. Mike, come on up here. About adding value. Mike adds value to us every time he gets up here with the team, doesn't he? Come on, tell him you do. Tell him he adds value to us. And we add value and expect nothing in return. See, that's, that's a part of this thing. So when we do, we feel valued and we have a more positive attitude about ourselves and about others. That's important to us. So I think one of the greatest gifts, the greatest gifts a person can give someone coming to fire church is a sense of fellowship, belonging, and hope. Oh, you should, that's a good place to say amen or oh me. I'm not sure. <clears throat> Let's all stand up together. I know you guys are waiting on that Valentine's meal, so we're going we're gonna to move right along. I hope you got some of this. Can we do that last song you were going to do called Refiner's Fire for the altar? I think that would really fit here if that'll work. Um, and what I'd like, how many, of you, how many of you would like some kind of prayer for anything this morning? Let me see your hand. Wave at me really high. You need some kind of prayer. Okay. I'd like for the elders and their wives to come who are here. I would like for... Uh, all the prayer team who are on assigned today to come up on each side up here. And I would like for, if, you, if you're willing, if you can, any of my 55 plus group who are at least 30 or older. Some of them are still being tenderized. And uh, I know that there's, there's at least one who needs some healing uh, in their body. And here's the thing. If, if you're away from God this morning, if you've drifted away, today could be your day to find heaven. Today could be the day you find Jesus in a way you've never found him before. I mean, you, 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 have, you probably are here for a reason. That's probably what it is. So the question is, are you, have you been drifting? Sometimes we come to church, we don't know why we come, but it's because, you know, you've had something in church somewhere, but you, suddenly you drifted away and you feel alone, you feel unaccepted. But I'm telling you, there's a place for you here. Jesus is here to receive you. I mean, if you're feeling lukewarm or cold, because and when we are not together for so long, we tend to drip. We get lukewarm. We can get lukewarm, and sometimes we just get cold. And you need to be warmed up. You need a little Holy Ghost fire put back into you this morning. These guys can pray for you, and we can see some of that. And if, if you're just simply away from Jesus today, come up here. If you, want, if you want to, no pressure. I mean, if you've been suffering from fear and anxiety and depression and isolation, you know, this kind of thing, and you feel like, man, I just want somebody to pray for me, just, just come on up. I mean, this, now's a good time. If you need a fresh touch, come on. I mean, any of the difficulties that you have, if, if, they, you know, if you draw near to Jesus, if they draw you near to him, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Let's... Let's, let's worship for a few minutes and then we'll, we're going to let you go. But I, I cannot not give opportunity to pray.